Because no two investors are the same, one size doesn't fit all. There's more to it. At S&P Dow Jones Indices, we offer index strategies for all types of investments. Comprehensive ESG solutions, core retirement strategies, multi-asset diversification, and new ways of thinking about risk management and income. They're all in one place. Express your investment views and give yourself the freedom to go anywhere with S&P Dow Jones Indices. Search Indexology on the web or hashtag Indexology on Twitter and LinkedIn. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. I'll be one to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Today, it was all about momentum. That's why, even though we didn't have much in the way of news, the market could tackle on another magnificent move today after yesterday's gains. This time, Dow rising 212 points, S&P climbing 0.67%, NASDAQ falling 0.81%. These were all miraculous record clothes, by the way. So where did that momentum come from? Now, it is easy to come up with pat explanations for this Energizer Bunny action. But momentum is actually a tricky thing. I could tell you stocks are roaring because the standoff in Iran didn't turn into a full-scale war. Or even World War III, as so many alarmists in the media predicted. I could tell you the market's on fire because employment's red hot. We know ADP, the nation's top payroll processor, released some incredibly strong employment numbers earlier this week. Then today, we got a terrific jobless claims figure. Makes you think that the Labor Department will give us a positive non-farm payroll report tomorrow. I can tell you people are buying stocks in anticipation of good feelings breaking out between the U.S. and China. Thanks to the phase one trade deal, America, well, the Chinese seem willing to place large orders from American businesses, don't you think? I mean, especially in agriculture. I'm going to give you more on that later, including an idea that you want to know about, an idea worth buying. There's just one problem. I'm not buying that thesis. I'm not disputing that these bullish macro forces didn't help. I just think they're not the source of today's market momentum. Why? Well, because momentum is what happens when a stock keeps roaring for emotional reasons, not financial reasons. A stock that goes higher because buyers went in at any price, that, my friends, is momentum. Now, as much as I like it when stocks rally, I'm not a fan of momentum buying. In a healthy market, stocks go up or down because of a change in the underlying company. You get something that boosts the company's earnings forecast, and you can happily pay up for the stock. I mean, that's how you get a rally with staying power. That's my kind of rally. But eventually you get to a point where the momentum takes over, where people start buying stocks simply because they believe those stocks are headed higher. And that's where I think we're getting to, if not reaching there today. These momentum moves are typically led by the analysts. Stocks blow through the price targets, then they issue new higher targets in order to keep up. That's where we are. Given that the original price targets were usually set around the time of the last earnings report, they tend to be honest reflections of where the analyst believes something's headed. When a stock exceeds that level, then the sensible thing would be to say, okay, there's nothing new here. So it's time to declare victory and downgrade this thing from buy, 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 to don't buy, don't buy. And that's called a valuation downgrade. And we've had a few of them since the new year began because so many stocks have roared higher on little to no corporate news. But not every analyst is intellectually honest enough to give you a valuation downgrade when a stock bursts through the price target. 
In fact, lately we've seen a lot of analysts do the exact opposite. We have seen price targets being bump, bump, bump every time a stock exceeds the last target, where the analysts are basically playing catch up to the market. It's the analyst equivalent of buying a stock for no other reason other than you think it's Headed higher. Some people call that the greater fool theory. Too many of these frivolous price target bumps and the market turns frothy. And that's what I don't want to see happen. We get froth. We get trouble. Let me give a couple examples so you understand what I'm talking about. Consider the case of Apple. All right, here's a stock that's been outrunning virtually every analyst price targets. So you got to ask yourself, healthy rally or frivolous momentum? The answer In this case, it's actually healthy. Apple's bursting through these price targets because in the last two days, we've gotten new data. New data that cheers you. It indicates that the company's earnings could be much better than expected. The price target bumps don't reflect momentum. They reflect the fact that the earnings are possibly headed higher, maybe even much higher. Specifically yesterday, we found out that Apple's retail and app stores are performing sharply better than expected. That means the earnings estimates need to go up. And a lot of it's those ancillary things. You know, the other products that they sell at the retail stores. Then today, we learned that Apple's Chinese business is doing sharply better than expected. Now, that's a real shocker when you consider that the company pre-announced a hideous shortfall almost exactly a year ago because of a severe slowdown in China. And let's remember that in that last quarter, the Chinese and the United States were kind of at loggerheads. I thought people talking about Apple being boycotted. Uh-uh. When analysts boost the price targets for Apple in this, these kinds of stories, it's totally legitimate. So what's a frivolous momentum-based upgrade look like? Okay, we had several bank stock upgrades today, and I got to tell you, they reeked of it. I didn't like them. As I read them over and over again, I didn't see anything new. There were no changes. I mean, nothing. In fact, my biggest fear right now is that the banks may not be able to make the numbers, that there may be estimate cuts. <laughs> Even though we own Goldman Sachs for my charitable trust, I'm astounded by the amount of love the market's showing it right now. Much of it seems momentum-driven. People like it. Why? Because it's going higher. I've seen the same thing happen in some of the other fang names, particularly Facebook. Uh, That's particularly egregious because as much as I like the stock of Facebook, there's no real news. As the stock goes higher, these analysts are just bumping their price targets to stay ahead of the Facebook buying posse. The worst momentum call I've seen... Today's pathetic upgrade of the stock of advanced micro devices, or AMD. Now, I know I've changed my rap going into 2020. That's the decade where I vow to be sweeter. This is the decade of Jimmy Chill, as I like to say on Twitter at Jim Cramer. But even Jimmy Chill has to draw the line on this Mizuho upgrade of AMD. This is a stock that's now run from the low 30s to 48 in the time since it last reported. Sure, AMD's executed on its new chips. Demand is strong. The CEO, Lisa Sue, is phenomenal, and the competition from Intel remains subdued. But that's been true for a week. No, true for months. This upgrade is a late-to-the-party momentum call with little rigor to speak of. Then again, I know how tough this thing can be. In fact, the most rigorous piece of research today is one I disagree with. It came from a long-running bull on Kramer fave Tesla. Ben Kahlo from Baird has liked Tesla all through the battles with the short sellers. He got to the promised land. He realized earlier than most, though, that Eli Musk has developed something new and special. When the stock was much lower, Kalo put a 355 price target on it. Now the Tesla's roared to the 460s. He's raised the price target to 525. However, he also downgraded the stock from buy to hold because he says the easy money has been made. That's rigorous. 
Now, me, I don't have to worry about price targets. I think the Tesla will uh, stay strong for a long time. But I salute Kalo for honestly helping investors to navigate their way through this battleground situation. He loved Tesla lower. Doesn't love it as much higher. Doesn't that make sense? And he won't let the siren song of momentum lure him into staying as positive as he would have been at lower levels. But he certainly says, please don't short it. Here's the bottom line. After another terrific day, you want to stick with stocks that are running on genuine good news. And not just because of late to the party momentum buyers. David in Florida. David! Hey, Jim, as uh, loyal shareholders for AMC, we're seeing new all-time lows daily. With 2019 box office receipts up, revenues down 4%, now entering the streaming wars, we've had enough of the negative outlooks from the AMC leadership team. Short interest is over 55%, crushing many buyers that step up. What does the C-suite need to do to bring substantial change, or is it time for a new CEO or possibly an activist takeover? Adam Aaron's really good. I've known Adam Aaron for decades. I mean... He's a good CEO. I just think that the business of uh, movie screening is out of favor. I mean, look, my chapel trust owns Viacom, and that, that's also one of the worst stocks I've ever seen. So, I mean, we've got to be careful here. We're throwing away some, um, some babies with the bathwater. I, I do think that Adam Aaron can get this thing even. I do. I mean, it's a six bucks. I'm not recommending it, but Adam Aaron is no fool. Let's go to Fran in Wisconsin. Fran. Fran, the sugar daddy from Wisconsin. There you go, man. Good I luck own, this weekend. Uh, it's a kind of a plus or a minus. Uh, I own plug power, Jim. Still oh, really? Plug. Yeah. In the last two, three days, Jim, plug power has increased by almost a dollar per share. Right. Question one, do I buy more? Question two. Is Plug Power a possible takeover by Tesla? Uh, I don't think it is. I mean, it's a, look, I understand it's a, uh, they've got some hydrogen fuel cell uh, solutions. But I've got to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you, friend, this stock has been around forever. It's peddling that same thing. I am not against it because I favor speculation. Unlike every other person on TV, I accept and think that speculative, speculative, sto- speculative stocks can be a small part of your portfolio. But this one's run, uh, done this to me, and bro- done this to people, and broken their hearts before. Doris in Michigan, Doris. Yes, hello. Hey, what's up, uh, Mr. Kramer? Yes, Good, I watch your show all the time. Oh, great. I'm calling. I'm calling about Fiat Chrysler. There's a. Uh, they're considering a merger with Peugeot. Do you think Fiat Chrysler is a good stock? I don't to buy like any autos point? other than Tesla. Why own any auto when you can own the stock? Of Tesla. Karen in Kansas, Karen. Hi, Jim. Hey, Karen. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking my call. Ah, my pleasure. I would like to um, uh, benefit from your accumulated investor wisdom about Texas Instruments. Oh, it's um, such a good stock. Oh, it's going to have a good year. I can't believe the stock is still, I mean, it went down, it dipped, but it still yields 2.7. It's 130 bucks, and it is a buy. And if it comes down, oh, geez, what a gift. All right, even on a record-setting day, you need to stay focused, people. I want you to stick with stocks running on good news, not just late to the party momentum buyers, where nothing is happening. Now, on Man Money Tonight, Tyson Foods has transformed itself from Chicken Little to Big Bird in this market. Could the move continue? I'm investigating. Then, this retailer stock took a bath. <laughs> when it reported, 
But you know what? I'm browsing the aisles to find out if it's time to take advantage of the savings and go shopping, maybe even pick up some coupons first. And there's a reason I don't fear slowdown as much as I used to, and I'm going to reveal it. So I need you to stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Take control of your financial future with the new madmoney.cnbc.com. Kramer's exclusive CEO interviews, full episodes, analysis, even your own soundboard. Plus special access to Mad Money 101 with rules and techniques to break down the market for all investors. The red flag that makes me drop a stock immediately is... It's everything you need right when you need it. The new madmoney.cnbc.com. CNBC's Workforce Executive Council is a premier group of C-suite human resources executives from leading companies across the country. It offers a members-only portal and chat, plus exclusive industry content, with access to breaking news calls and digital networking experiences. The network and resources HR leaders need now. Apply to the Workforce Executive Council at cnbccouncils.com slash WEC. With the averages surging to record levels today, what can you still buy here without feeling like you're chasing this market like a chump? At times like this, we want companies with powerful catalysts and stocks that don't fully reflect their underlying strength, meaning their numbers could go higher. In short, you want Tyson Foods. Yes, Tyson Foods, the largest meat processor in America, because I think there's the potential to be a big, maybe the biggest winner from next week's phase one trade agreement with China. Now that this deal is on the verge of being signed, sealed, and delivered, with the Chinese government actually holding up their end of the bargain, I think Tyson's poised to make a killing. Why? Because China desperately needs pork, thanks to African swine fever, which has devastated their hog population. The United States is the only country with enough healthy hogs to satisfy their demand. Tyson makes its money taking livestock, pigs, cows, chicken, and turning them into meat. Tyson chicken tenders, Jimmy Dean sausages, Hillshire Farm sausage. They get most of their sales from poultry and beef, but they're the number one American-owned purveyor of pork. China is a huge opportunity for them. I know I've recommended Tyson before because millennials love protein because of the great chicken sandwich war of 2019. And sometimes my time has been a little off. But all of this stuff pales in comparison to what could happen with China. That's why we just bought Tyson from my charitable trust a couple of weeks ago. And you can follow all of our moves before we make them by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. Did a big club call yesterday once a month and focused on Tyson Foods and a lot of other stocks, obviously, trying to pick winners after China. That's what we'll be doing one week from now, winners after China. Now, you got to understand, the trade war was the only thing holding the Chinese back from massive quantities of buying American pork. This is a staggering figure. Last year, they had to coal perhaps as much as 50% of their hog population in order to stop the spread of swine fever. That's right, destroyed it. 
Now, they've got some frozen pork stockpiles, but sooner or later they'll need fresh meat because even dictatorships need to feed their people. The stockpiles are running down. The fever is still rampaging. Can they grow their way out of it? No. Why? Because a huge percentage of Chinese hogs are raised in backyard farms, old-fashioned animal husbandry. And those backyard farms have been decimated by swine flu. They're vulnerable because they don't have any real biosecurity in China. In this country, we have industrial agriculture with fantastic biosecurity. Just try, just try getting near an American pig farm. Yeah, they're protected by fence. By it's like almost like they're claymore mines protected. I mean, bullet towers. I mean, you won't believe what is happening with pork in this country. If China wants to come to pork, we have the only surplus because we spend so much time getting it right. Pork is a staple food for China. Without their own hogs. They need other sources of protein. President Trump confirmed the existence of the phase one trade deal on December 13th. Less than a week later, Tyson had already gotten approval to export chicken to China. And shortly thereafter, the People's Republic cut its tariffs on frozen pork imports. When you heard that the Chinese were planning big agricultural purses as part of the deal, well, it's not just soybeans, for heaven's sake, it's meat. Last night, for example, we learned that U.S. pork exports surged in November up 26 percent. And that surge was driven by Chinese buying. I could not believe the Tyson food was down today after that number came out. This was before the phase one trade deal. China still had big tariffs on American agricultural exports. Just imagine how much business we'll do now that we got a trade truce. Bye, bye, bye. Oh, don't forget, Chinese New Year takes place on January 25th. And historically, that's the time of peak pork consumption over there. All of this demand means Tyson benefits from higher pork prices. And by the way, with pork getting more expensive, well, guess what? You have to believe they'll also sell a lot more expensive beef and poultry, both larger businesses for them, as they become relatively less expensive to pork. It's too early to matter. But they also have some killer plant-based faux chicken tenders that, to me, taste more like chicken than chicken. So the bull case here is very simple. Thanks to the phase one trade deal and the African swine fever epidemic in Eurasia, Tyson's earnings estimates are too low. The stock's already darn cheap, trading at 12 times next year's earnings estimates. That's really low. But if I'm right, those earnings estimates will come in higher than expected. That means the stock's going to look even cheaper in retrospect. (coughs) Excuse me. What is that all about? Here's the crazy thing. Tyson's stock hasn't really run since the trade deal was announced. This is despite the fact that even before the truce with China, this company was already painting a very bullish picture. So you don't need the truce. When Tyson reported its most recent quarter in mid-November, the headline results were worse than expected, a modest top and bottom line shortfall. However, the stock ended up rallying more than 7% on the news because management told an optimistic story about the future. Again, that was without China. Now, the numbers are starting to roll in, like last night's pork export figures, and they confirm our thesis. Fortunately, Tyson still hasn't taken off, and I think that's a gift to you. Here's the bottom line. Thanks to the African swine fever epidemic in China, I think Tyson Foods is poised to be the biggest winner from the phase one trade deal, or at least in the wake of it. This is the mother of all catalyst, people. And while the stock had a very big move last year, I'm betting it's still got a lot more room to run. Stick with Kramer. What the heck just happened to the stock of Bed Bath & Beyond? Last night, the downtrodden retailer reported not so hard quarter, and the stock imploded today, plummeting more than $3, or close to 20%, to finish at a lowly 
$13.45. This is our record close day for the averages. Sheesh! Now, normally Bed Bath & Beyond missing numbers would not be that much of a surprise. I mean, that's a real dog bites man story. This company spent the last five years trying and failing to get its act together. With the stock steadily stink, sinking, I should say stinking, lower and lower and lower. But last year, we finally saw some big changes that got investors hopeful about a possible turnaround. A trio of activist hedge funds led by John Duskin at Macellum Capital Management waged a proxy fight against Fed Bath Board of Directors pushing for radical change. And they won! These activists ousted the lackadaisical CEO. They got themselves some board seats, and three months ago, they brought in Target's terrific chief merchandising officer, Mark Tritton, to run the company. This was an incredible hire. Uh, after years of value destruction, Bed Bath looked like it was getting its act together. And it sure didn't hurt when the president signed a phase one trade deal with China, taking some major tariff worries off the table. You know, if you've been to Bed Bath, they sell an awful lot of stuff that is subject to tariffs, although they make most of the stuff here. Odd. That's how Bed Bath & Beyond could rally from $7 at its lows in August to $16 yesterday. Suddenly, everyone was really excited for the turnaround, right up until the company reported another seemingly hideous quarter last night. And that's why the stock got obliterated, sinking back to 13 and change. But, and this is a but so big, it would make Sir Mix-a-Lot proud. I think you have to view this shakeout, yes, as a buying opportunity. Yep, I still believe in Bed Bath & Beyond's turnaround. I say that as someone who hated the stock nearly all the way down before the activists won. From the 60s to the teens, I told you this thing was a... Sell, 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 sell. Now, though, the story's changed, and I think it's a buy. While the quarter was certainly ugly, upon closer inspection, there's some legitimate green shoots that give me confidence in the future that no one talked about today. In short, the people dumping this stock down almost 20%, I think they're making a mistake, and now I'm going to tell you why. Before we get into the specifics of the quarter, though, you need to know the context. I recommended Bed Bath three months ago when the company hired Mark Tritton, and the stock was trading at $12.30. He had a 38% rally from those levels as of yesterday, and even after today's wipeout, the stock's still up 11%. However, the business was in really bad shape. Oh, boy, was that for certain. I got behind Bed Bath because the company had a ton of room to improve, and with a, with a competent CEO, improvement finally seemed like a serious possibility. But you can't work that kind of magic overnight. Before Triton came in, Bed Bath was a retailer that had failed to adopt to adapt to the e-commerce era. I mean, what were they really about? It's hot in here. Oh, yeah, coupons. After years of half-hearted attempts to rejuvenate the store, management decided to compete on price, entering a spiral of ever-shrinking gross margins and declining same-store sales. Basically, the former CEO made some disastrous choices, and now the new guy needs to fix them. While he's only been there a little over two months, Tritton has already started taking action. That was not reflected by anybody when they dumped all over today. Over the course of December, he broomed most of the management team. Smart. This Monday, he completed a sale leaseback transaction, selling the real estate under many of his properties to raise $250 million. Still, Tritton came in during the middle of the latest quarter, and he simply didn't have enough time to work his magic. So when Bed Bath reported last night, the numbers were heinous. They lost $0.38 cents per share. Wall Street was looking for a two-cent profit. The same store sales shrank by 8.3%, and elsewhere only expecting a 4.8% decline. Worst of all, Bed Bath flat out withdrew its full-year guidance. Instead, the company told us their sales and profitability would remain under pressure during the next quarter. They gave you very little hope, not even trying to forecast the scale of the, the, scale of the pain. I mean, this thing was brutal. The house of pain. On the conference call, Mark Tritton humbly admitted, quote, these results are unsatisfactory and underscore the imperative for change, end quote. We want that. He warned us that, quote, the path to achieving our objective will not be linear as evidenced by our third quarter results, but we will move quickly to cost correct, 
course correct, and drive the business forward, end quote. Well, it makes sense that the stock would get obliterated today. But like I told you, there's more going on here if you look under the surface, which is why you need to hold your nose and buy bed, bed bath after this carnage. Bye, bye, bye! I know, totally contrary call, but give me a chance. My reason. First, this was a kitchen sink quarter. Mark Tritton took over a troubled company, and now he's trying to reset expectations. So he threw everything negative at you, including the kitchen sink, and maybe at everything that goes near it that you can buy at the store. However, if you bothered to listen to the conference course, I think most of the sellers did not, there were some real positives. So I'm going to tick them down in the interest of actually trying to get you to understand what really happened here. One, during the five days from Thanksgiving through Cyber Monday, Bed Bath used a new strategy, mass promotions, not just this endless couponing. They used mass promotions. And that strategy worked ridiculously well. Compared to the same five days in 2018, same store sales were actually up 7.1%. That's gigantic with strength in both physical and online business. That is huge. These are the most important holiday days of the year for selling. It is unbelievable to me that so many people are overlooking that spectacular number. They're not doing their homework. Two, Triton's bringing the company out of the dark ages with plans to massively improve their digital presence, which is what he did as chief marketing officer at Target. The merchandise is great there. He had a lot to do with it. Three, Bed Bath's closing bad stores, but they're doing so in a disciplined way while ensuring that they help clear out excess inventory. Forgive me, give an example. The company's delaying 20 closures in 2020 so that they can use those stores for clearance sales in the first half of the fiscal year. Makes sense. Four, believe it or not, customers still like and trust the Bed, Bath, and Beyond brand. The problems here had to do with terrible execution, not irrelevance. Also, the stores did they don't look so hot. According to an NPD consumer tracking studio, Bed uh, study Bed Bath's number one in brand awareness for housewares and home goods. Number one. Do you know that 79% of their customers have a favorable impression? That kind of shocked me. So maybe Triton's got more to work with than you think, particularly you sellers. Five, after all the high-level resignations last month, Triton's now bringing in his own team with, quote, the right talent and expertise to execute our new vision and inject new ideas, but also the right organizational structure to facilitate a more streamlined decision-making, end quote. Further, he added, quote, the volume of inbound interest has been extremely high, and I'm confident we will recruit top talent for these positions, end quote. Hey, that makes sense given his long and successful career in retail, although a lot of people think he can't attract good talent. I'm telling you he can. Six, the CFO laid out a plan to get rid of $1 billion in bad inventory over the next 18 months. Basically, they're clearing the decks of stuff that isn't selling, and that's exactly what the textbook says you should do to have a turnaround. Seven, Triton finally curtailed the company's foolish, ridiculous, moronic, oh, I'm Jimmy Chill, I'm sorry, uh, ill-advised buyback. Uh, for years, Bed Bath burned billions of dollars repurchasing its own stock. They should have just put it in a chimney at much higher prices. It was the worst possible thing they could have done. Maybe one of the most stupid, no, the most stupid buyback in history. This quarter, Triton only spent $1.2 million on buybacks, and he's backing away from it. That's perfect. Eight, you know what sets Bed Bath apart from so many failed retail turnaround stories? It has a great balance sheet, which allows the company to approach things like asset sales from a position of strength rather than weakness so it'll get good prices. Nine, they've already, they're already seeing improvement in their cost of goods sold. That's pretty amazing in 60 days. Uh, Triton expects that to get even better as they build out their own private label brands. And then 10, this spring, Bed Bath's holding an investor event. Now, you need to be in this stock before that because the company is so poorly run that just some basic 
blocking and tackling from a seasoned pro like Mark can potentially work wonders. That event could be the catalyst for much higher prices. The bottom line, yes, yes, I agree. Guilty. Bed, bath, and beyond had a terrible quarter. But it's a new CEO, and he's already made some bold moves to turn things around. Many of those initiatives are already working, despite the stock price decline. This quarter was the last guest with the old, incompetent management team. Do not let it scare you away. What I think could be a fabulous comeback story. Aaron, Massachusetts, Ara. Hey, Jim. Booyah. Booyah. I'm calling from Lexington, Mass, just trying to get your take on Bazoon. Uh, it seems to be getting a pretty big following. It had 41% sales growth in the past year. Just wanting to with the embargo. I mean, the you know, we follow this e-commerce solution company, and we have said over and over again, you know what? We're tired of hurting people in China. We like Alibaba. We don't need any other stock other than Alibaba. Alibaba is it when it comes to China. I want to go to Arthur and Maine, please, Arthur. Booyah, Jim. Greetings from Kenny Bunk. How are you? I am doing well, and you live in a great area, and uh, a great to have you on the show. Well, thank you. Thank you. I've listened to you for a long time. Thank you. Uh, my question concerns GameStop, GME. I am long in the stock in the mid to upper teens, okay. and my question is, uh, should I just bail out now and put the money to good use somewhere else, or do you see any foreseeable bounce to the upside? Uh, uh, I think it's, uh, it Arthur, it, it, it's, it's just on the wrong side of the trade, so to speak. I, I Maybe you get a short squeeze like you got in uh, Rite Aid, uh, but I am hesitant to tell you to stick with GameStop. There's just many, many problems there. Okay. Uh, think beyond the headlines, please. This happens to be Bed Bass' last gasp of the old team, not the new team. I think it's going to be a real good comeback story for those who are patient. Much more man money ahead. If its recent conference calls any indication, Lennar is keeping on the straight and narrow. I'm going to tell you why that's a good thing. Then, does your portfolio have what it takes to survive the unknowns in this market? I'll be the judge of that when we play MI Diversified. And all your calls rapid fire tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stick with Kramer. Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. Have a good time measuring the curtains at the Federal Reserve while you're down there. I'm kidding. Speechless. Twice. I'm kidding. Twice in one hour. <laughs> I'm kidding. It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. Last night I told you it's better strategy on high-quality stocks as you believe in. It's much better to pick a few winners rather than throw all your eggs into one basket. Even if you're almost positive, it'll go up. Oh, no, my friend, I won't have any of that. Because diversification, as we know, is the only free lunch. And that's why I play with you, M.I. Diversified. This is where you call me, you tell me your top five holdings. I tell you if your portfolio is diversified enough, maybe you need to mix it up a little. Hey, you know what? Let's start with a tweet. First up, we've got a tweet from at Sean Corey, who says, Twitter, Apple, Home Depot, J.B. Morgan, and Disney, hashtag M.I. Diversified. 
Interesting. Okay. So Twitter, we're going to social media, right? Apple technology, uh, consumer product technology, Home Depot retail, Disney entertainment, JP Morgan financial. I like this portfolio a lot. So these are all different and all good. And I would recommend anybody buy anyone. If someone just came to me on the street, like I saw a lot of people, I was with my executive producer, Regina Gilgan today. People stop me on the street and talk about stocks all the time. This is the portfolio I like. You know, next up, another tweet from at the rain underscore man. Rain man. Rain man. Jimmy Chill. Okay. Uh, And Jimmy Chill wants to know, oh, look at these stocks. Here we go. Bed, Bath & Beyond. Bristol Mars. See that stock word today? Zora, Barrett Gold, uh, and Marvell Tech. All right, look at this, man. Bristol Myers is 65 today. I can't wait to see them next week at the JP Morgan Healthcare Conference. Only I would get excited about that. Huh? Uh, Barrick, okay, you know what? I believe people should have gold. Marvell is the 5G play that my travel trust likes so much. Zora's subscription business, you don't need that and that. I can tell you that right now. What we're going to do is we're going to substitute and we're going to put in um, Starbucks. Okay, and then uh, Bed Bath and Beyond, which is uh, something that I think is bottoming. So I got retail. I got a. Oh, do I have to? No, Starbucks is not. Make it Pepsi. Okay, let's make it Pepsi. It's down. Okay, so we got retail. We got soda. We got tech. We have gold, and we have drug. That works for me. Okay, but I do need to change out. Uh, you do need to make that change. One, just one. Why don't we go to Riley in Georgia? Riley. Yes, sir, Mr. Kramer. Thank you so much for taking my call. Oh, it's so my pleasure. What's up? Uh, see, if I'm, see what you think about my portfolio for 2020. See if I'm okay. diversified enough. Uh, Bank of America, Facebook, Barrett Gold, Apple, and Disney. Wow. I think some great minds are thinking alike. This is a very similar portfolio. All right, Facebook, I, you know what? I, I got to check Zuckerberg's blog today. It's some interesting things. Like stock is just moving up. Numbers are probably too low. Uh, Bob Iger, Disney, numbers are too low. Apple, numbers are too low. Bank of America, numbers are in line. And Barrick, that's a gold stock. So we have insurance there. We have gold. We've got a financial. We've got a tech. We've got social media. And we have entertainment. And it works for me. That portfolio works for me. Works for me. John in Massachusetts, please, John. John, you're up. This is John. Hey, John. It's Jim. What's up? Hi, Jim. How you doing? I want to know, am I diversified? Okay. Came to the right place. My stocks are Bank of America, BAC. Okay. Trinity, TRN. Really? Applied Materials, AMAT. Okay. Coca-Cola, KO. And Mr. Myers, BMY. Mr. Myers. All right, look at this. This is another good one. There's one stock I wouldn't do, which is this is uh, Trinity, which is uh, tank cars. I'm not crazy about that. I, why not be in Union Pacific? Why not exit put in Union Pacific? Applied Materials, an excellent semiconductor equipment company. Coca-Cola upgraded there by Credit Suisse. Nice, uh, nice upgrade. James, uh, James is doing great there, James Quincy. Uh, Bristol Myers, Dr. Conforto, doing fantastic. And Bank of America, I love what Brian Moynihan's doing. So we got a bank, we got a drug company, we have a soda. Well, no, no. We have a beverage company, a semiconductor equipment, and an industrial of which uh, I would swap out Trinity for Union Pacific, and then I would be so happy. Man Money is back after the break.
And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski? That is over the lightning round. I'm with Carl in Illinois. Carl! Hey, how's it going, Jimmy? Carl, good day. How about you? I uh, question is, me and my buddy are out on a road trip right now, actually, and we've been talking about uh, what would be good investments. We were talking about Kronos, and I think it's had a rough few days, but yeah, look, I mean, we spoke like yesterday with we spoke yesterday with Constellation Brands. And uh, David Klein, the excellent CFO, is moving over there to run Canopy. So if you're going to have to buy one, it's going to be Canopy, because that guy has got horse sense. Let's go to George, New York. George. Hey, Jim. Uh, long time, first time. Okay. Uh, I'd like to thank you and uh, your staff for all that you do for us. You're the best. Um, I'm a club member. Yes. And I just want to let you know that yesterday's uh, member call was uh, terrific. Oh, thank you. And you're a part of that. And I want to know what are your thoughts on EPR properties? Yeah, we've often thought of buying EPR for Action Alerts because it pays, pays a great dividend, 6.4%. The stock has come down in part because the group filed a favor, but also because they made some reshuffling of the, of, of the assets. I am quite confident. I love that Mr. Silver's on. I am quite confident that EPR is a good buy here. Let's go to Randy in Wisconsin. Randy! Thank you, Mr. Kramer. You're welcome. For taking my car. Of course. And I'd like to give a little uh, Green Bay Packer love out there. I'm fine. That doesn't bother me. Bob Iger's okay. favorite team. That's okay with me. Okay, my yeah. question is Kiva. T-E-D. No, see, I, I, I'm okay with Green Bay. I am not okay with Teva. I mean, Teva is uh, like Jadavian Clowney as far as I'm concerned. That has to do with something that happened to my favorite quarterback in the whole world. Okay, so listen, Teva, no. We have things like Bristol-Myers. Why do we need Teva when they create when they created Bristol Mars? You're going to go to BMI. Let's go to Matt, my home state of Pennsylvania. Matt, Jim, booyah! What's going on, man? Just uh, hanging out. How about you? Ah, same old, same old. Hey, got a question for you about Maxar Technologies. I got in at nine sixty one. Been loving the ride so far. Do you think this is a sustainable pace? Right, I got to tell you, I have watched this ride. This I don't understand this ride. I'll be very care- candid. I've been doing a lot of homework lately, and I do not know why this stock has just knocked the doors out. Let's go to Robert in California. Robert. Hey, Jim. A great, sunny California booyah to you. That's excellent. Right back at you. What's going on? I cannot believe I am talking to the great Jim Kramer. How's it going, my friend? Happy New Year. Wow. That was very nice. Thank you. I'm okay. I'm not that great. I'm, I'm chill. Oh, humble, humble. Hey. Uh, I have a question about Cyrus One, uh, ticker symbol Cone. Uh, That's Gary Witasik. I, I, I think that Gary's fabulous. It yields 3%. It's a data center play. Uh, and he comes on. He tells a good story. It is a good story. Stock came down a little bit. Problems with interest rates and REITs. But it's a good stock. I like it. Let's go to Sharon in New York. Sharon. Hi. Hi. Uh, a big, big booyah to you. Uh, and my question is, it's about BLDP, balanced uh, power. Well, system. this is another high, this is like plug power. These are pure spec. Now, I've got to tell you, when I, when I say pure spec, you have to understand, you can lose your shirt on this or you can make a lot of money. Not my cup of tea. I don't like anything that binary, but that's what you're playing with. Periodically, this thing has a very big move. It roars. People think Tesla's going to buy it, whatever. Not for me. Not my cup of tea. Don't buy. Don't buy. And the people hate me on Twitter. And all I'm going to come back with is say, kumbaya. Let's go to Sammy in Louisiana. Sammy. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Sammy. 
Jim, you're the greatest. Well, thank and you, you always much. will be, too. Thank you. But, Jim, the least, I wanted to get back in touch with you before, but I've been battling these stupid robocalls that won't leave me alone. And All right. so, uh, yeah, well, see, they started something and I finished it. Sure, I like now that. that they're out, huh? Yeah, it's good, man. What's up? Oh, I gave them a lesson they won't forget. Anyway, now that they're out of the way, I want to get your thoughts on Starbucks SBUS. Okay, Starbucks is recommended today, and it's a backdoor talk. Kevin Johnson, when we were at the U.S. Air Force Academy, came down when the stock was at 81 and said he was going to back up the Trump. And who listened to him besides my Chapel Trust? I'd say no one. But now they're starting to like it in a way. I think it's got another 10 points ahead. And that's what I think about Starbucks. And thank you to the terrific guard today uh, when we were down in Washington who said I like Starbucks. I like that guy. No, I'm not done. I'm going to take Tom from Colorado. Please, Tom. No. I got one, too. Tom. Uh, I'm too chill to deal with this clown. Tom? Is Tom there or is that it? Tom? From Colorado, Tom? Hey, Tom. Hi. Hi. Are you there, Cameron? Yeah, more than ever. Hey, Booyah, how you doing? Booyah, good. Hey, so in, in Telsat, do you think this company is going to bounce back and be a good position to I have? I've been working on Telsat. You mentioned that. I was actually working on it yesterday and today to try to figure out whether a $7 stock might be worth 28 or 0 And uh, so far, uh, I'm still doing the work. Let's put it that way. There's more work to be done. And you will see it later on in a show sometime in the near future. And that, ladies and Lightning Round! The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Sometimes a simple question has simple answers. Like, why are stocks so strong surging to a record level today? Well, let me give you one answer. Maybe companies are just better than they used to be. And that's what I found myself wondering as I toured through the always thoughtful conference call from Menar the other night, the big home builder, after reported another record-breaking juggernaut of a quarter, orders up 23%. Of course, Lenar's hardly alone. I mean, I can single out any number of companies for putting up yet another incredible performance. We seem to get a few of them every week. I have to tell you, I think companies are doing amazing things. With nearly every aspect of the business, whether we're talking about personalization or digitization or customer retention or streamlining, on fire. They never get praise because it's regarded as corny at best or sycophantic at worst. I just say it's accurate. But Lenore's a textbook example of a company simply being better than it used to be. In the old days, the home builders were notorious for taking way too many risks and doing ridiculously stupid things, like leaving up near the top or, or building way too many houses or, or buying way too much land at exactly the wrong time. Lenore was always a little different. This company has a long, long been run like a family business. Family business that it was when founder Leonard Miller, Len Mill, started, you know, Lenore, right? Leonard, uh, started more than 60 years ago. And that's why Lennar, Leonard Miller, never took the risk that so many of the companies that he competed with did. Leonard taught his son Stuart. Well, I've known Stuart for many, many years, and Stuart managed to steer the company through the Great Recession. But he wasn't content to really ride out the turbulence. He put through concrete changes, keeping the balance sheet clean, ensuring Lennar didn't get ahead of its skis. Still, the home builders have never been known for their prudence. And in a strong economy like this one, you'd expect even a disciplined operator like Lennar to be overbuilding in the nation's hottest housing markets. Yet, that's simply not happening this time around, even as mortgage rates are extraordinarily low. 
and the labor market's on fire. There's a newfound caution that these companies developed during the Great Recession, and it's keeping them on the straight and narrow, and I am thrilled about it. Again, it's not only an R. The same thing goes for Toll Brothers. The high-end home builder just isn't taking advantage of all the capital it could get uh, easily a- and build ho- homes everywhere, including some that may turn out a few months from now or a year from now, aren't needed. They don't want to expand like crazy. Both these companies can they care more about keeping their debt levels manageable. And some of them would rather buy back their stocks, both the Nor and Toll Brothers, than buy thousands of acres of speculative land. We're seeing that kind of caution across a host of industries these days. Companies just aren't taking the kinds of risks that they did before the Great Recession. They've changed their DNA, if that's possible. Executives are always trying to save money. They refuse to take gambles. They, bet the, they never want to bet the company. I mean, they just don't do that anymore. Sometimes you can almost hear the analysts cringing at this conservatism. When I listen to these home builder calls, it's obvious the analysts want them to borrow a bunch of money, put more homes right now. But they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it because they have no desire to make their companies hostage to the Fed chief or the labor market. They want to be in control of their own destiny as much as they can be. Now, the home builders are always going to be cyclical stocks. They do a heck of a lot better when the economy is strong and interest rates are low. That's the nature of the business. No CEO can ever change that. But... If you anticipate the next downturn and run your company responsibly, you can offset a lot of the damage this time around. That's one reason I'm not too worried about a potential slowdown. Because companies like Lenar, well, they worry about it for me. I'll gladly give this kind of wise company the benefit of the doubt and a higher price during multiple any day of the week. Do not get me wrong. I don't see any signs of recession here. But sooner or later, there's always another slowdown. But it will hurt a lot less than the last one. Because these companies have taken the necessary precautions. And frankly, that is out and out fabulous. Stick with Kramer. I talked about momentum at the top of the show. Let me give you a classic example of how tough this could be. You know, ever since the stock was in the single digits, Salesforce has been one of my favorites. And my capital trust has owned it for years. We actually trimmed some the other day because the stock is up. And there's been no news. It's painful, but it's what's called discipline. And if the stock does get hit, also on no news, we will have the firepower to buy some back at a lower price. Discipline trumps even conviction. I like to say, there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Kramer, and I will see you tomorrow. CNBC's Workforce Executive Council is a premier group of C-suite human resources executives from leading companies across the country. It offers a members-only portal and chat, plus exclusive industry content, with access to breaking news calls and digital networking experiences. The network and resources HR leaders need now. Apply to the Workforce Executive Council at cnbccouncils.com slash WEC.